Next Chapter Podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This intro is the soundtrack to every butterfly metamorphosis. It's Gideon by My Morning Jacket off their 2005 album Z. Or if you're Canadian, Zed. It's also number 457 out of five, honey, on the Spotify original The 500 with guess who? Me, Josh Adam Myers, the King of Fleece. Thank you guys for tuning into the only podcast that's going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums. And man, oh man, am I having a good time going through it. And this album is the reason that I do this. Thank you to all the people doing the Instagram stories, guys. Take the screenshot of how you're listening to the 500 and tag me. Give us that 24-hour ad so we can get the word out so more people can complain about my views on these records. Now, before I go into the little spiel I do about My Morning Jacket, I just got to say, I know how tough it was to listen to an old record this week when you have new tool. We waited 13 years, and I am blown away by how good the new tool record is. It's everything I wanted. It's literally one song for 90 minutes, but with insane drum solos, just thumping bass, thumping, ripping guitars, Maynard's voice, just perfect. This album is everything that I've ever wanted in a new tool record, and I couldn't be more blown away. Go on Spotify and pull up Fear in Conquium. I don't even know if that's the name of it. It's like Fear in Conquilacala uh, by Tool. And, and just fucking just send me a message that you did it. And, and if you're blown away by it as much as I am, I we're blood brothers. That's all I can say. We're blood brothers. We get it. We're Fleece Army. We're wearing fleece. We're listening to Tool and My Morning Jacket. It's kind of a weird back and forth. To go from My Morning Jacket, which is all happy and upbeat, and then you got Tool, which is all kadoogly-spoogly. But man, is that kadoogly-spoogly fucking perfect. So listen to it on Spotify, guys. All right, little bit about this record, guys. Released on October 4th, 2015, Z is the fourth album from My Morning Jacket, a psychedelic independent rock quintet that formed in Louisville, Kentucky in 1998 to showcase singer-songwriter Jim James. It almost didn't happen. Really? Morty, tell me more. During the tour for their previous well-received third album, It Still Moves, which is a fucking great record, MMJ guitarist Johnny Quaid, not related to Dennis Quaid, and keyboardist Danny Cash quit the band due to tour fatigue. After considering becoming a three-piece or quitting altogether, Jim James bassist Tom Blankenship and drummer Patrick Hallahan held open auditions in Los Angeles and replaced Johnny and Danny with multi-instrumentalist Carl Bromel, who writes these names, and keyboardist extraordinaire Bo Coster. Using the exciting but awkward energy of getting to know each other, they set to experiment further out of their comfort zone on their next album. While Jim James had produced their first three albums, for Z, they brought in the accomplished John Leckie, 
who produced albums for bands like Radiohead and Muse, but also began his career at Abbey Road Studios and worked on one of Jim's favorite albums, Blue by Eiffel 65. No, it was really George Harrison's All Things Must Pass. But what if it wasn't? I'm blue, and I'm a dee, I'm a doo, and I'm a dee, I'm a doo, I'm a dee, I'm a doo. Besides a professional producer, the band also agreed to leave Louisville to record in Shokan, New York at Allaire Studios. What they created was a record that expanded their signature reverb-drenched sound into a wider soundscape. And it became a huge hit and a fan favorite. Today, I've got one of those fans. My guest today is Brooks Whelan. You know Brooks from Saturday Night Live, his appearances on Conan, Seth Meyers, Girls on HBO. He did New Faces with me at Just for Laughs. He is a true My Morning Jacket fan. And when I came up with the idea and we were talking about my podcast, he looked at the list and he goes, I'm the only person that's doing Z. And guess what? He is. Rate, review, and subscribe to The 500 on Spotify or anywhere you get your pods. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, guys, nothing left to say, but here we go with number 457 out of 500 with Z by My Morning Jacket. good it still moves yeah that's i think no, that's very, not it that's that moves. that's fucking wordless that's, chorus dude. yeah that's wordless chorus it <laughs> still moves as their first as their third album what a what a, what an intro <laughs> what a, to prove you. how much i do love <laughs> my favorite band but, when, that, when i think of wordless chorus i just i don't think of the lyrics i think of the boo boo yeah, it's, it's like that re it's like that like like that's like it's it's a song well we're gonna get into it but it's a song that for so long i just didn't appreciate and then that's why i'm so glad that we're doing this record so tell me when i i did your podcast you did my pod um which is great everybody entry level check Ent- it out check we talk out. about everybody's first jobs who cares let's talk about this podcast and it was great but but what was cool was at the end of it i was like dude i saw your records and i was like i want you to do the podcast mm-hmm. i've known you for x amount of years let's yeah. fucking do it and you were like my morning jacket z uh yeah i the my morning jacket is the only band i own every piece of vinyl from everything because it's not an insane amount. It's a reasonable amount, seven records, and they're great on vinyl. And they're also like a hardcore bias on vinyl. They put everything out on vinyl, and it's really great. It's awesome. Yeah. But why do you feel so connected to My Morning Jacket? Uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'll be honest. The first time I saw them, I, they were opening for Pearl Jam at the United Center in like 2005, maybe, in Chicago. It's evolution, baby. Yeah. You're just fucking... 100%. So, so they came out. This is before Z. And they came out, and they're playing. And uh, I just remember being like, get off. You're, I, you are just not having it. You, I, well, you're such a, a Pearl Jam well, I'm a fan, Pearl Jam, right? I'm a Pearl Jam maniac, but I would say it's transcended to... Maniac? Not fan. Maniac? I is that what Pearl I heard? Jam, but I like My Morning Jacket more now. <laughs> okay. Uh, but... 
I had this problem where, where I go to see Pearl Jam, and you know you're 18 and dumb and don't understand that you're the the band picked whoever's opening for them, and yeah. they probably are somewhat. Yeah, they're similar. vetted. They're a vetted. Yeah. In my head, I'm like, they've got Pearl Jam tied up in the back, and I am having to watch this band I don't know, and it's a nightmare. Bring, bring Mike McCready back. Come yeah. on, man. No, just bring him out for the first time. Just come uh, on. And then, uh, and then, like, a year later, uh, a guy, a really cool guy who was, like, a senior when I was, like, a freshman in college was, like, obsessed with Z, and he was like, check out this band, and I, was, and I listened to it, and then I realized, oh, I hated this, and it turns out these are my favorite. This is, this is the best thing I've ever heard. Z. Why? So why are you so connected to Z though? Uh, it's college. Two thousand six. Sure. It came out. I went to start at college. Two thousand five. Like it just as a hardcore, growing up in Iowa. Like, like older brother loved Zeppelin, so I loved Zeppelin and loved Pearl Jam. Like I had no taste that was my own. Yeah. Uh, I was like Fugazi's cool, and then uh, and then you get to college and you're you get you're, you're open to everything. You you're smoking cool pot. Yeah. You're at the dorm. Somebody you walk by a yeah. dorm room. Somebody is fucking playing this. Exactly. You're like, what is that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I can't tell you how many how many rounds of disc golf we played to Z. We would just put it in our backpack, <laughs> play it as loud as we could, and then just walk around smoking weed, playing disc golf to to Z. And then after Z, um, uh, what was the album after Z? It was, it was Evil the, Urges. Evil Urges. Then Evil Urges. So then Librarian came out, which is on Evil Urges. And that's when I was like, oh, man, this is my favorite band of all time. It's so, and then Circusial, like Victory Dance, fucking s- cemented it. Yes, and I And then The I Waterfall. That. It's just, and then I've seen them like probably eight times or eight to ten times. And it's just like each time I'm like, do the best, do the best. So very much like you. Um, I I went with actually JT, my producer. We used to go to concerts all the time together mm-hmm. in Washington D.C. We used to go to the Nine Thirty Club, and there was a local D.C. band called Lake Trout. Okay, and they were like hippie jam slash Radiohead, so electronic out there had like some dance influence, like drum and bass. Right, and and Jer was like, "Yo, man, let's go see Lake Trout." And also, there's this band, My Morning Jacket, opening, and we went. And and first of all, I'll be you know, completely honest, Lake Trout went up and fucking destroyed. Mm-hmm. And the audience went bananas. And then they finish, and I'm not lying, half the audience leaves. Yeah. And it's weird. It's just, it's maybe like another like three or 400, and then My Morning Jacket, and then they went up there. This is right around the time of It Still Moves. Sure. And just blew me away just the head banging yeah. the no shoes the solos plus this is when jim james has super long hair in long. front of his face yeah he looks a like a muppet v, he looks like a muppet v. he's yeah. like one he's... big holiday on conan in like 2004 is like my favorite thing to show people it's just it's just incredible it's, a, it's just so incredible and you're like what is this a metal band and then he's just like <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, this is so great. So with me, I went to see them after that, and I was like, God, that was one of the best live shows I've ever seen. Right. So then I used to do this. I'm not proud of this, but I used to get a lot of my music recommendations from Entertainment Weekly. I mean, dude, you, when you're little, you have no idea. But dude, they used to have a really good music dude. That's how I found out about uh, Badly Drawn Boy. That's how I found out about Travis, a lot of the British bands I was into. Okay. And they were like, it still moves A plus record. I found out about Kings Leon from Entertainment Weekly. Yeah. And I went out and got Those it. guys ruled dude, so hard. Dude, I went out and got uh, It Still Moves, and it just, com- it was just like. It's top to bottom. It's so, so fun. So, it's, I, I mean, th- in my opinion, I think it's their best record. I like It Still Moves because it's got Easy More and Rebel on yep. it. Uh, run M- Through. Magita, Magita, Run Through. Run Through. Bow, no. Run Through is my favorite, like, 
play this song to get hyped. I will listen if I'm like if a, if, a, if a, there's an important set. Uh, I listen to Run Through before I audition for Saturday Night Live because it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. It's just like like it's like a great song to get excited. Uh, yeah. Also, it's got One Big Holiday on it. It's, keep going. It's so good. Um, it's got Steam Engine. It's got yeah. those like four songs at the end that are all like twelve minutes long. Yeah, Run Through is like the my favorite. I have, okay. Can we? I open up. So I love My Morning Jacket so much, and for some reason, people like turn their nose up who are snobs because they don't know anything sometimes. Yeah. But I make I have a My Morning Jacket starter pack that I send to my friends. Nice, like new friends, and I'm like, hit me. What is it? Okay, so it opens. With I pulled it up anytime, which is on Z, which is my favorite song from Z. Okay, because it, it just comes in like, and then he goes, "Damn!" <laughs> it's real quiet. Yeah, we'll get to it, but he's it, just that real small, like, "Damn!" And I'm like, "Okay, this is a banger. This is great. It, it, it lets you know that this is an exciting, fun band." Then next song, I go, "Librarian." It's like Jim James, like what he goes to later of solo. It's like sure. his first solo. Like, I'm just going to acoustic go nuts. Then Spring Among the Living, which is just like the ultimate. One of my favorite songs. Like, hey, this is a band. Yeah. This band is firing on 50 cylinders. It's Sergeant Pepper's type shit. Uh, then I go One Big Holiday. Let's let them know that these guys rock hard. You got to hear that. That's and, <laughs> and, and then we bring it back to old school uh, from the Tennessee Fire picture of you where he's like, I got a picture of you. So I give him like. You got Spring Amongst the Living, the most produced My Morning Jacket song, and then Picture of You, super underproduced, what I do love about My Morning Jacket. Yeah. So it's like I show you that this is a full band, and you're welcome to a, a, a new world. This I love that. I, it just like My Morning Jacket is the what is like one of the few bands that I haven't been able to pin on a specific relationship. Do you know what I mean? Like I've got bands that I've like listened to with a girl over and over and over. And then like when we break up, I'm like, oh, I don't like that band as much. My Morning Jacket has sustained every relationship. I love that. Yeah. I love that they're they're just the, they're always, the like, through line that's, that's yeah, kind of keeping you going. Well, it's just like I, they've always been like my band that I've brought into the relationship. I've n never it was never introduced to me. I guess me and Tanner's relationship is pretty important to this. But yeah. other than that. Yeah. And he never wronged me. So. Good for it. Well, Tanner's a good. He's a great guy. Great guy. He's living right. in North Carolina, rocking it as a biomedical engineer. Shout out, Tanner. Fuck yeah. We'll get to that later, too, because I have some shit about that. All right. Well, our album is number 457 out of 500. It's the fourth album, Z, by My Morning Jacket, released October 4th, 2005, produced by John Leckie and Jim James. And for all of my Canadian listeners, you call this album Zed, which Avery told me. I had no idea that they don't say Z yeah. in fucking Canada. They say Zed. Well, so also something really cool about this this record, uh, the meaning of the word, the meaning of the album Z as the title isn't that deep. Uh, according to Jim James, he said, I feel like it had a lot going for it. It's also the last letter, the 26th letter in the alphabet. And I wrote all the songs when I was 26. And cool thing about Connection is when you were 26, you got hired on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I did. Well, it was I got hired on my 27th birthday. So I'd gone, I'd auditioned, and then I remember on my 27th birthday, I got a call that was like, "Hey, come move to New York." And I'll go. I was like, "Hey, that's this what a cra what a crazy day! It's my birthday." <laughs> and the producer goes, "I don't care." get here and i was like that's foreshadowing that this might not be the friendliest <laughs> not place gonna work. yeah all right well what would your what would then so if that is your 27th album then what would you call your 28th album my 28th album <laughs> shit i try to get my morning jacket on snl no lie really yeah because like they're very open to the cast and writers of like who should we have on lauren literally fucking took a shot at him uh and i've to i've run into jim james he lives in well i don't i won't say where he lives but i 
I bumped into him and I was drunk enough to be like, yo, man, I tried to get you on SNL because I did. I fought for him. They were coming out with uh, Waterfall and I was like, he's like, who do we have? You know, what do you, you know, because he thought I was cool because I, I loved like. Dude, Lauren thinks you're cool or Lauren Jim thought, James? Lauren you're- thought I was cool with the music that I liked. I yeah. was like, we got to have Arcade Fire. We got Arcade Fire right away. And then I was so stoked. We had the National. We had uh, Kings Leon. Back, yeah, you had some good music Black on your Keys, season. Uh, St. Vincent, it was great. And then, Probably like, the last era of like rock and roll as the most popular music in America. It was so great. And I was furious at everyone else. <laughs> and then it turns out like One Direction's actually wonderful. Yeah, they're so they're nice. nice and you're like, fuck you. Yeah. Apologize for this motherfucker. The, I, I think the only two bands that didn't go downstairs, I didn't walk from the ninth floor to the eighth floor to watch, were Katy Perry and Coldplay. I was like, I, I Why don't not know. Coldplay? Dude. I wasn't into it. I was just like a bunch of dorks. Either way, uh, but I was told Lauren, it was like, we got to have my morning jacket on. They got a new record coming out. And, he, and Lauren, who's what, 75 or whatever? Sure. He's like, maybe in 2007. And I was like, you old bitch. You fucking Canadian yeah. piece of shit. And then I told uh, Jim James about that. And like, I was like, dude, Lauren's a dick. You didn't want to have you. Because they've played before. Yeah. And he was like, oh, he's, I, I, I don't know him personally. I just have like yelled at him once in, in Highland Park. And he was like, oh, yeah, he talked me out of, like, wearing my cape or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, Lauren was like, you lose the cape. <laughs> and he was like, I got talked out of because it's Lauren Michaels. I was like, yeah, I don't listen to that can, fucking idiot. Can you put down your bow staff? Yeah. I don't think that's going to be good for the performance. And, and then we'll get to it later. I was at the My Morning Jacket show in Iowa City where Jim yeah. James tripped on his cape, fell off, destroyed his back, and then wrote Circusual on fucking pain pills. Really? Yeah, because he was in the hospital. What's better than free money? How you choose to spend it, of course. Right now, open a new CQ checking account and we'll give you $250 to spend however you like. Upgrade those headphones, splurge on concert tickets, or maybe upgrade to ad-free streaming. The choice is yours. And extra cash isn't all this credit union offers. Do your banking, build credit, and invest in your future. All with CQ. Visit CQMD.org today. That's S-E-C-U-M-D.org today. Hey, this is Mike Wiebe, and I'm the singer in a band called The Riverboat Gamblers. And I'm Zach Blair. I play guitar in a band called Rise Against. Mike and I also have a band called The Draculas, and we also have this great, amazing new podcast called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah, each week we're going to ask ourselves and we're going to ask our guests what three favorite things they are into at that moment or in their entire lives. And then we're either going to agree with them or we're going to make fun of them. And uh, you're going to listen to it and you're going to like it or we will make fun of you. How about that? I just flipped it on you, the person listening to this right now. But we're going to do it every week here on the Sound Talent Network. Once again, it's called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Well, let's dive into the record, okay? All right. All right. So the album opens uh, with a heartbeat bass line. Which is what I am confused when you open the show. I've, I'm so used to where this You needed to hear like, the. <laughs> no, it's like. <laughs> boo-doo, 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 boo-doo. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's just, just so. It's, it's, it's that's what I'm saying is that they I start a lot of shows with this this do they song. really? Yeah, because it's such like a just a whoa, cool. And it's also a thing where the lead singer can come out a little late. It takes a minute for him to start. Oh singing. yeah, yeah, yeah. So then he can come in with his cape. Yeah. Um, this to me sounded a lot like the Flaming Lips. Uh, from I what am. I've heard of the Flaming Lips, this didn't sound like anything uh, by My Morning Jacket when I fir- when it first first that first instance you're talking about. And lyrically, it's a mission statement about creativity, and ironically, a chorus without any words written to it. Peter, go ahead and play the chorus for me. <laughs> Oh, 
it, and they're literally just putting it out there like we're, we're the scores yeah. and our, we're just like no that's gotta mean something I mean, the, so well, deep also they got the coolest line the coolest line maybe the coolest my morning jacket line uh, is we are the innovators, they are the imitators. Yes. Which is like, whoa, that's so money. Well, I think that, like, just like you said, when you see wordless, wordless chorus and you're thinking of the, 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 the depth of Jim as a lyricist, you're probably like, wordless chorus, it's got to be about being in a relationship with someone you love but just not being able to speak because you're so in love with them. Nah, you just, it's just, it's like, just a hook and you're just, just like, <laughs> he's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, well, SNL, we talked about that a little bit already, is widely known to have great creative people writing and performing on the show. Okay. But you're on a major network, and there is a ton of restrictions on creativity. How did you find that process? I don't think there was any. I would say SNL, as much as I don't like to give it props, it never stifled creativity. Really? Uh, No. Go nuts. Do whatever you want. We'll figure it out later. Uh, Music rights, we'll figure it out later. Go crazy. I don't think there's any other show out. There is no other show in, on on the planet, actually in America. I don't know about on the planet. That if yeah, there's you some come, Israeli if show you, where they're just yeah, like, well, I'm we just are saying, so free. If you come up with an idea Wednesday morning <laughs> at 9 a.m., it can be on TV that Saturday. Like, I don't know another show that is that creative. That being said, there is a lot of like family feud and who gives a shit. Yeah. And what happens is the really creative writers leave and they make I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Like that is that's like what the like they the the really creative writers bail and go make really creative television shows. But it's uh, so like SNL, great. but SNL at least gets those juices like really flowing. Oh, it's, and it's great. Just, yeah. And they could take all those ideas. At no point was I ever told no at S. I mean, I was told no constantly at SNL. But uh, why at- do you think you were told no? I mean, I, I mean, was, like, were you bringing them ideas that were just so? Because I remember one of the ideas that you got on the air was the the vermin thing you did with Ed Norton, critic right? control. Yeah, yeah crit- it was great. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, I should have given the respect. Critic uh, control. It's only a, my only basically good sketch I ever got on the. It sounds. Show. It sounds like a, it sounds like a print song. Ooh, critic control. Ha! Yeah, and I mean that was yeah that was I wrote a lot with the guys who wrote weird stuff. Like Tim Robinson and Zach Cannon, who made I Think You Should Leave on Netflix, and then Michael Che and I would write together, and we would always write stuff that they're like, "What are you doing?" But it was it would get laughs in the room, and then would make it to on to the air, but it would always be the final sketch of the night, and then we'd run out of time. It happened four times at like my like super weird creative sketch got cut at the last like at the last second. One of them was one of them was. Okay, it was a key, it was on the Christmas episode, the only non-Christmas episode sketch. It was uh, the part of the movie King Kong, where after they find King Kong, the next scene is he's on Broadway. So we wrote the sketch where we pitch our idea of chaining a monkey to the stage. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> it's me and Jimmy Fallon, and I'm in a neck brace because Kong has been raping me. And uh, <laughs> turns out we're uh, romantically involved twin brothers who refuse to play theater politics. And it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? But it made it. It, made it, it got to the dress rehearsal. It did all of that. Made a dress. It's going to close the Christmas episode. Ran out of time. Oh. Uh, There's another one where um, there's a little kid's bodybuilding competition where uh, it was clear that Keenan Thompson had been in trouble before and he was hosting it. Yeah. So he was keeping his distance from the kids. Uh, it was called Little Buff Boys. And uh, yeah, it was just, what is the And like he like picked a song at random to sing for... Uh, like he just hit play on his iPod on shelf and it was I'll make love to you by boys to men. So he's screaming, I'll make love to you at little boys. Yeah. 
flexing and he's in like this like and they that made it to the air but then got cut for time there's another one where like it was a christmas idea where uh, like a white elephant where instead of like finding uh inst- like keenan got like a snuggie and then i opened up a present it was three baby owls and i'm like all right this is definitely sir pippington and it turns out one of the temps is john goodman in like a long wig and like a like a owl chair and he's like, I don't know. And like, <laughs> basically, they love all that shit. It just doesn't it make just, it. It's just when it gets to it, they throw it at the end. And then, yeah, because it's do you think like, they did that on purpose. Like, they were like, just put it at the end, it'll get cut. No, I mean, maybe, but I think that's actually, we're giving them too much nice credit. I don't really? think they would ever care about feelings like that. I think they wanted to get it in and they just didn't make it. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it's like, they're, they're super creative, but like, the stuff that plays is like, let's it, make fun of this hit song. It's, 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 I, I don't want to shit on it. I mean, because I know so many people that work on it. It's just I just don't wa- I just don't watch it anymore. It's a man. show for I high school I, kids, man. It's tr- it's a yeah, show for high school. It kids. was I re- well, like, but see, also when I started watching Saturday Night Live when I was in middle school, if not if not fucking, I was watching Eddie Murphy's greatest Saturday Night Live bits uh, mm-hmm. when I was still in elementary school. Yeah, they, I just feel like the writing and the character work and like you know there would be no such thing as Wayne's World on the show now. Like I don't feel like there's independent yeah. characters. It's like it's all spoofs and shit. Like, like that i don't i haven't watched it since i left but like once when you're when you're in it you have no idea that when you're in it you think it's the most unique wonderful show of all time sure. and then once you leave it it's like it's a little stockholm syndrome like because like it, it does stink and you don't love it but once you get away from it you're like oh no i don't that wasn't i would never watch that yeah <laughs> but you're in it and you're yeah. just like no this is the greatest yeah shit ever all right that then goes into it beats for you uh, where the four is the number and it's just the letter U. And mm. I think that Jim James uh, spelled... Also, you know, he goes by Yim Yames sometimes. Does he go by Yim? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. And the Yim acoustic Yames. thing that he did for George Harrison yeah. was Yim Yames. So it, the, he spelled it like this either because Jim is a huge uh, Prince fan or Jim likes to tweet like a 14-year-old girl. Uh, despite that, it's a pretty precious in a very organic Radiohead way. Uh, play a minute 50 for me, bud. I think this song uh, is about two people that are dialed in in love. But love is boring, uh, so we're kicking this bitch to the curb and moving on to sure. the next song. Yeah, you you asked me up top. You're like, I have meanings for the song and stuff, and I'm fully, I don't, I'm really bad at listening to the lyrics. The lyrics, I'm the same way. Unless it is like acoustic storytelling. Like librarian is, he's like, simple little bookworm. And then he tells the story of going through like wonderful the way it feels. He tells the story of like how happy he is. He wants to go. But like if it's a song with the chorus and verse and it's not Tom Petty being like, and then Johnny met her and he left. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, like I'm like, dude, I, I, I don't know the words to songs until yeah. I literally now sit down and I listen to each record with like genius open and mm-hmm. I'm just like reading along. So and that and I'm noticing it's like I'm getting them finally by doing that. It's the only way yeah. I get words, because if not, I'm like, I'm like, just a small town school. Yeah. Skeeting, biting, dee, but do. Yeah, I'm like, these noises make my head good. <laughs> yeah. All right. That goes into Gideon. All right. Uh, uh, play Gideon's little, one of my faves. One of your faves. Play a little bit of it. Oh, 
It just sounds like if U2 was good. Uh, no, th- thank you. All right, so first of all, that is exactly what I wrote. This sounds like something off of uh, U2's Joshua Tree, yeah. even down to like the biblical title of it. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the second single. What I love about this song is this is what really uh, – this, this is right – where you just can hear how powerful Jim James' voice is. Like, you forget that this dude can fucking well, belt, dude. He's great. He it, is incredible. And you know what you made, you made me realize when you say this is the second single, and why I do love My Morning Jacket the way I do, is because it feels like they, it's like one of those bands that you love them, they feel like they belong to you. You know what I mean? No, I I agree. Because they don't have hit radio singles. Dude, there are people, the people that I have met that like My Morning Jacket, fucking love them. And then everybody else is like, "Ah, I don't know, never fucking heard of this band. Exactly, so when you go, it's like- You feel like you're in a hit, but it was like, I remember when I went to go see TV on the radio live, Mm -hmm. and I was like, everybody in this room is cool. Now, this one seems to be uh, a conflict between what religion has meant and will mean in the modern world. Now, you- which I find, this blows my fucking mind. You have a degree in biomedical engineering. Yes. And that means that you researched eyes and heart valves, which is fucking ridiculous after only no, after knowing you for all these years. But when I knew when I knew you and Angelo and Gerard back in the day, when I moved here, I was working full-time at Caltech in a research lab. I know that. That's what I'm saying. And you, and you got fired because the joke. Yeah, I got fired. I got fired over, t- I got fired from... <laughs> Irvine. I worked in Irvine at first. I remember this. Yeah, and I got fired for tweeting. It was right before we did Fresh Faces at Laugh Factory. At New Faces. No, not New Faces. That was later. It was Fresh Faces, the show at the Laugh Factory. Oh, remember wow. we, they put our clips up? It was remember. me, you, Nick Rutherford, fucking, oh, God, Reggie Jr. We all, they vote. They put our, our clips online, and then they vote. Oh, I don't it. even remember that. And I rigged the system, and I found a way that you could just sit at my computer oh. at the strip club and just vote for myself. That's so I great. beat all of y'all. Well, that was a good set, though. Uh yeah, no, I, I went to college at University of Iowa and smoked weed and learned biomedical and got a degree in biomedical engineering for the sole purpose of moving to New York or Los Angeles to pursue stand up. Because I didn't have, uh, my family wasn't poor, but we didn't have, at no point was somebody going to be like, here's some money, go to LA, give it a shot. I knew I needed to like get a degree that I can then go land a job and make it not look like I'm moving there to do comedy, but really that's what I was doing. Sure. So then I found that job in Irvine. Uh, I did it for two years, drove from Irvine up to Hollywood every night to do shows, and then went crazy, tweeted a photo of my boss in the refrigerator, said, looks like it's feeding time, and she like printed it out and showed our bosses and fired me. Oof. And then I moved to Caltech, then I switched to Caltech, and I worked on uh, interocular lenses there, and um, I worked there until the day I got SNL. Fuck yeah, dude. Let me ask you this, because obviously there has, I feel like there has to be some co- sort of correlation. I want to know, how is biomedical engineering and stand-up comedy similar? Uh, just 100% disciplined. You have to be disciplined to get a biomedical engineering degree. You have to be disciplined to be a good stand-up comedian. You can't take shortcuts. It's like, I have to work really hard at this. First of all, that's that's I, don't, I kind of agree with that, and I kind of don't. There are shortcuts for certain people that just get these. I mean, to be a good stand-up, to be a good stand-up. Yeah. I've only ever wanted to be the best stand-up of all time. And I'm like, now I'm like 32 and I'm like realizing I'm like, shit. Oh, I, when thought, I, was like, <laughs> I thought you were saying, well, I'm ranked 32. No, <laughs> I was th- like, there's a ranking? I'm 32 years old and now I'm like, I just like to be a pretty good one. Yeah, just But like work, when bro. I was like 25, I was like, I want to be the greatest of all time. And I realized that like, it's hard. Yeah. Like I only want to be respected by stand-ups. I could care about anything else. Like that's why SNL, like I'm like, you can watch Critter Control and all that lame shit, but like weekend updates were cool. I'm really proud of the weekend updates. I yeah. Did. Because that's stand-up. 
and that's saying something uh which is so much cooler to me than like getting murdered in a wall by possums with ed norton which is cool which is cool it gets your but, buddies with will Nor- with edward norton well i mean i saw him once in new york you know what's funny is i got uh when woody harrelson hosted snl the year after i was only on it one year uh who could have guessed and uh ed norton calls when woody harrelson's hosting and he goes hey i want to come in and do a uh, uh, that critter control again and they go we fired the guy oh. <laughs> uh and then they called and they were like hey would you be okay like if they did critter control i go fuck you no <laughs> you know because like people do respect who wrote it or for whatever. sure yeah. yeah i mean you're the heart and soul of critter control it's my idea it's your idea you can't do it you, you fired me can do it i'm gone all right that goes into what a wonderful man uh I just got to say this. This is a, the tale of two songs. I think this is might be one of the worst openings of a song. Not, I don't want to say ever, but definitely on this record. Because I don't know how they could go from this. He was the oh, God. That's uh, fun to this me. This is fucking. It's fun to me. Garbage. All right, stop. Wait, wait. But then it goes to this. So I can't say it's a terrible song. I hate parts of it, but I fucking love when it rips. Uh, this, though, is about uh, Jim's childhood friend and former uh, Month of Sunday's bandmate, Aaron Todovich, uh, who, after a long battle with depression, committed suicide in 2003. Uh, and this is Jim's way of doing an upbeat, poppy tribute uh, instead of doing something sad, which I fucking dig. All yeah. right. Uh, you have something to say? No, that's awesome. I, yeah, I love it. Uh, all right. Uh, off the record. Now, once again, uh this is probably my least favorite song. Is this Baby in a Blender? Um, no, that's going to be the next No, song. it's not Baby in a Blender. Okay. So this was the first single released from Z and the only song Jim James shared co-writing credits on with Rhythm Section, Tom Blankenship, and Patrick Hollahan. Which Patrick is rad. I've met, uh, we went drinking at together at um, Bonnaroo. He's awesome. Oh, I would I would die to see my morning jacket at Bonnaroo. They, I saw he, Pearl Jam at Bonnaroo. They weren't even playing there. It was um it was my other friend uh, LJ Jack Lawrence who's yeah. in the Raconteurs, the Greenhorns, um and uh, Jack White's other band. You're probably fans with like Allison Mosshart. And yeah, well he's yeah, in he's in her uh, the other probably, song. You're probably you just you're the cool guy, dude. You're fa- you're probably cool. Well, you're, he, are you cool with Josh Homey? He I saw him the other night. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, the Raconteurs played up the Greek. I hit up LJ. It was like, hey, can we come? Uh, it's great. But um, Lil Jack was playing in City and Color with that guy Dallas Green or whatever. And then afterwards, I was like, yo, we're going to go watch. Um, uh, we're going to go watch. Um, who was it? Elton John. And he was like, no, fuck that. We're going to this bar outside of Bonnaroo and we're going to watch the San Antonio Spurs like play in the NBA playoffs. I was like, all right. And then uh, Pat was there. Patrick was there. And it was like a really fun time. It was like all like I was like, oh my god, this is so cool. <laughs> oh man, Jack Lawrence and Patrick. Oh, it's, oh man, cool. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, Elm John's so lame. <laughs> and my my girlfriend at the time did not come. She was like, Are you fucking nuts? I'm going to see Elton John. Yeah, and, uh, it's. I mean, you got if you've if you've never seen Elton, I just saw him. He's incredible. But yeah. I wouldn't pass up for that connection. It was really that human fun. connection with those two guys. Hey, this is Chris Santos, host of Delirious Nomads, the Blacklight Media Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. 
Delirious Nomads is a podcast about all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports. And me being a chef and all, we'll be riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Mwah. Back to this shitty song. All right, so the reason here's no, it's not. Here's why I hate the song. All right, so it starts off like Hawaii Five O, then it has all this like Motown cadoodles in it, and then it turns into reggae. And everyone knows I hate white reggae music. White people should not be playing reggae. Fuck three eleven. Fuck you know shorty grooves or and fucking all white reggae. Here's my defense to them playing reggae. If they play an album of reggae, I get it. But they're just showing you for a little bit. Hey, we can reggae. (laughs) Where they're just proving they could reggae if needed to be. We need need a reggae. We got a little bit of it. You you don't think we can reggae? Oh, we'll reggae. Oh, we can reggae. All right, here, play the cheese ball McGee chorus because it's so bad. It's not terrible because it, that part's pretty catchy. I do actually like the the ending that gets all sex groovy. Yeah, uh, it sounds like a relationship that Jim wants to keep off the record. Ooh, Ooh scandalous! Here's the other part about my morning <laughs> Ooh, jacket. I'm getting the vapors. <laughs> Maybe why I don't know as much is there, and why I like them so much is like they're an album band. They're not a singles. band. I understand that. So when I listen to Z, I'm not like I better put on. This song from Z, I'm like, I just want to hear Z. I understand. I understand that. But I just I just think this one's a miss. Um, no, but I'm saying that's why I'm like a little um, like a, like I'm a little off on which song is which because I'm like, I don't know, man. It's just in my head. You know, when a song ends and you just listen to that CD all the time, you just know the next song. You don't know the name of it. Yeah. It's just like, OK, now it's like, I don't know. Either way, I love it. The next song is the one that I I have comical problems. with. Perfect. All right. But for serious, though, you went. On the record, on the when record. you tweeted about f- your firing from SNL. Oh, it's the funniest thing I did on SNL. As I, when I got fired, I go, um, fired from New York at Saturday night. Uh, and um, the funniest, uh, <laughs> uh, then Tim Robinson, who's great, he, he like called me and he was like, how long has that been in the hopper? Uh, and I said, Are you even cooking? I go, I go since December. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you know? Did you have that feeling? Like what? No. Like what? I, where? Last, how did it suddenly end up to? The and last, how did it happen? The last conversation I had with Lauren Michaels was um, maybe like four episodes left. I had done an update. It went great. And he said, "I hope you're having fun. Get comfortable. You're going to be here seven years." And I was like, "That's huge. Wow. That's like so. That you don't know what a weight that brought off my shoulders." Because I was really worried I was going to get fired. And he's like, no, no, no. Uh, and then, But that was at an after party. I'm sure we'd all had like a few beers. Yeah, you had a few little Uncle Uncle. Clark but I'm saying, whiskey. so did he. So, I, you know, and he's in a good mood and he's in a good mood. Uh, and he obviously liked you. I mean, so no, and he's given nobody me, wants to he fire somebody. He's given me so much, uh, so many other opportunities since then. And I, but, um, but that was, so I honestly thought I'm safe. 
because my boss told me I was. Sure. And then I was walking home on Houston with my girlfriend at the time. Um, and uh, it was on Houston and B. And we were in the grocery store. And uh, I just got like a call from my reps. It was the day you find out if you're renewed or not, July 15th. And uh, I get a call. And I'm like, yo, what's up? And they're like, hey. It's just not a <laughs> it good. It does not sound good. And I go. I was it more like, hey? Or is it like, hey? It was like, hey. And I go. <laughs> that's that's I go, what it should be. It's and I just hey. go, did I get fired? And uh, my boss goes, I mean, not my boss. My agent goes, no other fucking way to say it. And I was like, did they say why? And she's like, no. And uh, afterwards, like, producers took me out and they just apologized. They're like, yeah, this is a tough, tough gig. You'll be fine. Yeah, and you have been. It's been, yeah, no, and uh, honestly, like, MA, I met all of my friends at that show. Uh, che, you're tight with Che. Well, like, Seth in. Myers is is who I just went on the road opening for, and, like, we still, like, I'm doing stand-up on his show, it's just, and in, like, a few weeks, and it's, Great. I've sat down, he promoted my record when it came out. Like, it's just, like, you met, I met the nicest people of all time. Everyone who oh, I can imagine the connection so nice. that you get from... Uh, you you get from from just working. Anytime you worked it, I've worked on a movie. I've done any my TV yeah. show. It was like the people, like every camera guy. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm a Frank. I was like, I fucking love you, man. Yeah. It's just you build that, that it was trust. Great. All right. Uh, so the next song is one that you said you is find the one hysterical. That is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, this is like a demented carnival waltz that has yeah. all these like freaky nursery rhyme a lyrics. Baby in a blender. Baby in a blender. Go ahead and play that fucking weird. Verse the kitten on fire, a baby in a blender. In my head, this is just Jim James being like, um, let's see the craziest thing I can say and make them sound hauntingly beautiful. Well, I think that's in a sense what he's doing because this is about a song, a love song. Uh, about killing kittens and babies and also ha- uh, the favorite masturbation technique because there's a line where he says, a good shower head in my right hand, the two best lovers I ever had. I, oh, think, wow. I think that's a way of, of, uh, of, of talking about masturbation sure. in, a, in a very eloquent way. Um, Beautiful. But yeah, that's uh, this of any song on Z, this is my skip. Yeah, this is I, I definitely skip over this one. What what Morty found out is that this is about protecting yourself from being hurt in a relationship and letting your guard down through sex is usually how it begins. Uh, then we go into anytime, which is my opening to anyone who wants to know about my morning jacket, as it should be. I love this song. Can play you play it. the very beginning? Can you get the very beginning or no? Just that, the intro. You just hear this real small. And I think it's the coolest thing. My morning jacket. It's my favorite part of any My Morning Jacket song. It's my favorite part of my favorite band. We're just this like real small, and I don't know if you've heard it because you got to listen. Oh no, I've. I mean, well, I, I don't. I haven't like done the, the deep, deep. But deep. I'm saying it's just like a real subtle. Damn. Yeah, so you miss it. <laughs> it's so fun. Yeah. I just love that. That's so exciting to me. That is great. That yeah. is great. Um, this to me uh, sounds like Southern rock Coldplay, and this is just a great, totally like, straight ahead rocker. And then the keys that are in it are great. Uh, it sounds like it's about the inability to communicate in a relationship and maybe knowing when to let go. Now you and I have a social media fetish. 
You dated Grace Helbig with like four billion followers. I dated Brittany Furlon with four billion followers. I've but I've in a been, bikini. But I, in a bikini. I've been to Tommy Lee's house with Grace to with Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> they were doing a thing. Grace Elbig is a wonderful person. She's, uh, we we we're working on a television show together right now. It's That's like great. One of those rare. Uh, we broke up, but we still uh, work together. But what was it like when you're being in the relationship with someone so hell bent on getting love from strangers when you're right in the next room? Oh, I don't think I. I don't know Brittany, but I do know I know Brittany. But like, I wouldn't say that's that that was Grace's take. When I was with, I don't want to speak for Grace. We're not dating anymore. Um, I just know she's wonderful and cool. Uh, and, but I just looked at her as like, uh, I just looked up to her as like a person with an insane work ethic. Like her videos are edited and made well and uploaded. And they have like, they make young women feel positive about themselves. It's for, I don't know. And she wrote two books. She's just like, I don't know. I looked at her as just like, uh, her own, like go get them. Like she, she created her own thing. Like, like she went outside of Hollywood to make it happen. So I don't know. I just had nothing but respect for what she was doing. No, okay. All right. Uh, I, I really do. I just respected the shit out of Grace and it like ch it like changed my whole point of view on like I was like such a like a comedy fucking snob. Like stand up is the only comedy. I'm like, oh no, whatever makes you laugh is comedy. No, I agree. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I was when I dated Britney it was right before all of that. But it was still like the whole social media thing. I mean, well, how do you feel about somebody now or like putting like your life out there on social media? I mean, I I have no problem with I don't know. I like uh, I mean, it's all like a fabricated sense of who we are. But sure. Like, I like traveling. I like photography. So like uh, I, I'll try to like go to national parks and take cool photos because like in my brain, I'm like, this is what I like to see. Um, yeah. but then I'll also like tweet out my mug shot to be like, Hey, check it out. This is funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The next song is my favorite on the record. Uh, lay low. Um, Ooh. I love everything about this song. Mm -hmm. I love the way he sings the lyrics. I love the guitar riff, the chorus, the heavy, like distorted drums. But the best part of this song is the ending. Play the ending for me. <laughs> Three minutes and two seconds of one of the most powerful double dueling guitar solo piano jam outs uh, that that's like that's sharing the same DNA with Leonard Skinner so and the good. Allman Brothers. Now, now I, I I think it's about trying to cadoogle his girl into staying home rather than going out for 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 whatever. Like, but I could give a fuck about what the song is about. Mm -hmm. This is a perfect song. Just, I mean, yeah, it's jamming. It's perfect. Great. So, all right. So, I think this song is why the album is on this list. So, this is I, when I asked you to do this. When quick, I, quick cue. Are ahead. any are there any other My Morning Jacket so albums on this list? Don't know. Don't know. Okay, because I would say this is probably their most polished, fun one to throw on the sure. list. But I'm with you, like where I like it still moves more. I still it still moves one of my favorite records. But this is why. I think this album deserves to be on here. So I mentioned earlier, Angelo 
loved this song. Okay. He loved the song. He loved this album. And and I was always like, eh. And so I'm prepping to do the interview with you, mm-hmm. and I listened to the record a bunch, and I had to go to San Diego last Wednesday. Yeah. And I drive down to San Diego, and then on the way home, I was like, let me listen to this record. And I'm smoking a little bit of pot, and then this comes on. Mm-hmm. And dude, I just start weeping. Weeping. Like, not, not regular, I'm just getting choked up. Yeah. Like, I looked over... And Angelo best, was that, in the seat next to me. That like, best friend cry. That best friend died cry. I have, I have, uh, my best friend died. His birthday was yesterday, Kevin Barnett. Yeah. And I, I had a, I had an un, inconsolable laundry room cry. Yeah. Like, just like something snapped and it's just like, like this, like this song clicked and Angelo's there. Like something happened and I wanted to text Kevin and I couldn't. And he was, and that's, yeah. dude, that was it, man. It was that I, wanted and i wanted just to talk to him about this song i wanted to go you were right man i fucking get it now like i fucking that makes way more sense get it you text me you're like lay low had me sobbing i go well that's a weird one to sob to but now (laughs) with context i'm like yeah no you had that yeah that dead best friend cry yeah that is like you're inconsolable It, it was but it was beautiful it was this beautiful thing i like when i get that choked up man and since i've started doing this this uh the some of the albums have made me uh, open up. Uh, I think it's called Sea Diver on um, on Mata Hoople, uh off of all the young dudes. That made me cry. Yeah. Uh, a song by Bonnie Raitt, uh, Love Has No Pride. But nothing made me cry like this. Like a like a dead best friend cry. Like a dead best friend cry. Yeah. In that moment, my energy like changed. Where I got like I felt like warmer. It just everything was it was different to the point where I was like I was like uh, Angelo is in. He's like he's literally consoling me right now. Wow. And it felt like that. I mean, it's a great song. It was great weed, too, yeah. by the okay. way. The yeah, weed yeah. was really good. But, a good song. but it was it's just it was just so fucking incredible. And I do think this is, in my opinion, this and one more song are the reasons why this is on. With the Dante? Yeah. Motherfucker, you know what's up. Yeah. All right. Next one, uh, Not Comes Loose. Uh this kind of reminded me of Neil Young's Harvest Moon. It's, it's fun. A, it's a beautiful song. Yeah. Uh coming off of uh Lay Low, it's a nice transition. Yeah. Uh it's pleasant. Uh I'm glad they didn't do their thing of going into a huge guitar explosion at some mm-hmm. point. It's like <laughs> it's like you know how hard it probably is for Jim James to to not write a song and go. Uh, you know, should, shouldn't we add like a 17 minute jam like, rock and roll explosion? Like, you, you know, like anytime John Frusciante, you know, any John Frusciante record on the Chili Peppers because you're like, oh, it's got a guitar solo for 35 seconds. Yeah. It's the best guitar solo I've ever heard. Every fucking John Frusciante song has, they're like, let's let, and then we'll let John do his thing for a minute and then back to Bebop yeah. Skeep Scops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You got it. if you have if you have the ability, why not? No, a hundred percent. You I got mean, a band this good. Let them go. Let them yeah, breathe. It's, it's like listening to November Rain. Yeah, and uh, there's, like, there's two guitar solos. And you're by like, Slash. let's get back to Axel. Uh, yeah, I was like, all right, dude, Slash, you've had you're going again yeah. for another three minutes. All right, well, it's actually it. it's one of the most beautiful pieces of written music I've ever heard in my life. So uh, if you can bring that out of your guitar, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did love that song, but I want to get to the final one before we get to facts. Yeah, which is my favorite. Which is, is so my, the Dante's your favorite? Well, anytime the Dante is my favorite, like kind of every it's like it encompasses my morning jacket as a whole. Like anytime is a good intro, but the Dante is like, yeah, these guys, this is seven minute banger that flows in and out. You can write to it. Like uh, I listen to Okonokos, uh, which is their their live, live CD. Their yeah. live uh, it was four out four disc four record thing, and I used to when I'd write. Uh, it's great because each each side's about like 22 minutes. So you jam for 22 minutes, get up, flip it, 
and you reroute, you write what you just read, what you just wrote. And this is all up pre SNL. This is like all the shit that got me to SNL was all listening to Okanokos, which is mostly this, which is this tour live. Yeah. All right. So this is the final song on the album. Uh, once again, it's about Jim's ex bandmate, Aaron Tobovich. But this one is really a poignant and powerful piece. Uh, I think for me, at least the falsetto singing reminded me of Radiohead. It reminded me a lot of uh, of the talk show host song. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't I don't listen to Radiohead, not like purposefully. That's I a, just kind of sacrilege on this show, bro. All right, we're, I'm just, we're a, uh, t- the podcast over. You can, you can go. I don't know what to tell you, man. It's just like a band that, that fell through the cracks. Can I make you a Can I make you a Radiohead a starter, starter kit? kit, please? Okay, done. I also went on a tour of uh, a bunch of festivals one year when Radiohead was doing. So I saw Radiohead, and at in each city I'd have like a plus one. So I'd bring my friend, whoever was living in New Orleans at Voodoo Fest, whoever was at Lollapalooza, whoever was at Governor's Ball. I'd have a plus one, and every fucking time, whoever I brought. They only want to see Radiohead. I'm like, I've seen them three times this summer. I know, but they're so good, though. And look, they always did a great job. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Well, all right, but back to back to my morning jacket. I do feel this is sounds a little bit like that, like them right now. Uh, half the song is barely there, but then it just explodes. Peter. Just weeping again in the car. It made me smile. Weeping. It made me smile. I'm in a bad mood. I I was full blown. Like, <laughs> so I mean, just I was. <laughs> so I think for me, lay low, and this song. That's why I love this record. I really could skip over everything else and just listen to those two songs. Yeah, I mean, I'll fight you on that one just because I think they all flow together so well, and it's just like an overall vibe versus like individual songs, which I think Dante is like an overall vibe. It's it would be like what's this album like? It's like this, and it's just various versions. of Completely. This. Now, once again, Jim explained that this was from a dream where Aaron was waiting for him and his loved ones to welcome them to heaven and help them get settled in. Now, I'm gonna go all James Lipton on your okay. Ass, okay. What has been your most profound loss? Um, Kevin Barnett. My- a guy I talk to every day. Died. So if you don't know, Kevin was an incredible comedian writer. Yeah. Um, do you want to take it? I mean, yeah. You, you Kevin really Burnett is Kevin Burnett was uh, my first friend in New York City. I moved there. Uh, we the first time I was ever on TV was with Kevin. He's exactly my age. Uh, he he's he would have been thirty three yesterday. I turned thirty three in two weeks, and we just went. We he was my best friend, and he he was uh, created the show Friends of the People. Then he moved out here and he made the show. He wrote for the Carmichael show. Then he made uh, Rel's show, Rel. Then him and Josh Rabinowitz, who's his writing partner, made Kevin versus Josh. This whole time we're hanging out. He's making a sketch show. I'd leave SNL and go swing by Friends of the People and have it was like Jermaine Fowler, uh, Lil Rel, um, uh, Josh Rabinowitz, the Lucas Brothers. Those were like my New York pals. It was awesome. Uh, and it was so great, and I would like go, and I wanted to be on their show and not SNL because I was like, this is more enjoyable. And Kevin was just like, we hung out every night, and then uh, literally, I went to Mexico with my girlfriend, 
Uh, and uh, the next week, Kevin goes down. I give him some taco spots and get a call. Kevin died. Like it was just out of nowhere. What? What? What, what took him? Like he what? had a, a um a, like a gull. Uh, shoot, I can't think of what it's called. Like it was something weird. Like an internal like uh, a gastrointestine thing. Like a, like a basically like appendix just fucking like yeah. in the sleep. That is incredible. That is insane. It was like that's it, insane. Yeah, it was like hard to. It's still hard to process. Like you get the moments. Like you want to talk to Angela, where you're like, I want to text him, and you go to fire off a text to the, your go-to text bud. And you're like, oh, he's he died. I still, I still have Ange as if you go to my favorites. I mean, it's still the top one, and I'll never, yeah. I'll never change that. I don't think the phone number works anymore. I mean, dude, Kev was so great. I got engaged and then broke up on different trips to Hawaii, and I was like a, such a bummer. And uh, yeah, I was, I mean, I was rich for like a, um, like a year one time. It was awesome. Uh, why, why were you rich for a year? Uh, SNL college gigs pay a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. I bet. Oh, I bet. Dude. Uh, so, I, but I blew it all. And, uh, <laughs> but in that time I went to Hawaii and got engaged and then like I was touring and me and my girlfriend fighting. I was like, let's just bounce back to Hawaii. And we had such a good time that we broke up there. So I'm like, dude, fucking Hawaii is cursed. And then Kevin was like, nah, man. And so just Kevin and I went on like this trip to Hawaii, just us. So he's like, get over Hawaii, man. Fuck that. This is this island isn't beholden anybody. And it worked great. It's the most fun I've ever had is me and Kevin just tooling around Maui and, uh, you know, cried a couple times. And he was like, it's all good. Just literally best friend stuff. And then I was like, okay, I'm good with Hawaii. And then fucking Kevin died. I'm like, I'll never go back to Hawaii. Uh, yeah, which is fine. But that's, that's great that you had that, that but, time in Hawaii. But that's what him. I'm saying. He's the sort of guy who was like, no, not, nothing is in control of you. Like, you can't let a person ruin this island. So the fact that I'd, I won't want to go back because of Kevin, he would be like, that's bullshit. Yeah. Like, go back there and remember what we did there. It was so fun. He was such a great guy, man. I'm, I'm, I, I love hearing you talk about him. Yeah. I, I, I was really lucky enough to do a lot of festivals mm -hmm. uh, with him. And in the last couple, like we, especially, I think the last time I really got to hang out with him was when we were at Moon Tower, when one of you wasn't actually I wasn't, on. I wasn't on, booked on the show. I wasn't booked for Moon Tower. I was just in Austin to see a friend. And then me and Kevin got drunk in the day. And he's like, I don't want to do my set. And I was like, I'll do it. And then so he just roasted me for while I did my set. And we were just... You were both, like, hammered. Oh. Well, you were. You were fucking saucy as so, fuck. So, but like, the difference between me and Kevin is Kevin can, like... It's fun. Handle it, it's yeah. fun if Kevin's drunk. Yeah. yeah. You're just sweaty and yeah. a bunch of denim. I'm like, just telling you what's oh, wrong. God. That's what happened when, like, Che hosted the Emmys this last this last year. I went and met up with, like, the after party with Michael Che and Jost. And Che's like, Look, yo, let's get... Let's get hammered to me because we used to drink at SNL. I was like, awesome. Yeah, let's do it. And then we both really did get very drunk. And the only difference was uh, Michael Che had just hosted the Emmys. And you were just, and I was just his You were his butt. plus one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, he, he gets to. He got, that was a tough day for him. <laughs> you were drinking before you got they're like, here. They're like, all right, Che, Che's acting a little wild, but who is this motherfucker from the critic control? Yeah, like, yeah. who's this motherfucker? Hey, who's the guy who's got John Ham cornered? <laughs> all right, you want to do some facts? Facts, 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 facts. All those facts in a bottle of facts. Uh, I know that's not off this record, but I couldn't think of the other oh, melodies. Good. You did a great job. When this was first released on CD, it contained a copy protection software that made it unable to be played on a computer or burned. That band was so unhappy with that that they put information up on their website on how to bypass the technology and even offered to burn CDs for their loss. For wow. their fans. I'm sorry. For the fans. That's great. Uh, they're the first Napster. They're awesome. 
I I mean, I miss Napster. I, it was fun. Yeah, it was cool to be like, I'd like every Beatles song ever. <laughs> ever. Yeah. I, and, oh, it's going to take me three days to download yeah. while my guitar gently weeps. No one pick up the phone. Yeah. Don't pick up the phone. We had we had dial up and we had and I had Napster and I and that was what sucks. We didn't have a CD burner, so I had to listen to all my music in my dad's office. Mm-hmm. Um, I was all about the Jerky Boys, baby. You're a Jerky Boys dude. A Jerky Head. Hey, you fucking knucklehead. Egyptian magician. But n- were you big into Napster? I was big into like prank calls and comedy off off of it. Okay. You're fucking. Why don't you ever get? You should be on Stern. You should like do fucking prank calls for Stern. I made a prank call CD when I was like in ninth grade. Everybody made a prank call CD when they were in ninth grade, bro. You're not special. We all did that. Wait, you you recorded your own prank we, calls? We got this suction them? cup that goes on the fucking went on yeah. the head of the receiver, and that goes okay. into a tape recorder, and we fucking yeah, dude. I don't Greg, know if Greg everybody Jay, did it. Greg, find that shit and send it to me, right. motherfucker. We got that shit. You ain't I'm special. Say, I didn't say. I didn't. Wasn't <laughs> yeah. a brag. I, yeah, I, I, I saw. I saw an air of confidence. Your head raised a little bit. It was because cool. it was fun. It was fun. I'm sorry, I'm teasing. All right, Zach Galifianakis is a huge fan and friend of the band, and appeared on stage with them during their marathon set at the 2008 Bonnaroo Festival, appearing in a little orphan Annie dress. Little orphan Annie? Yeah, I, I had it. a stroke while saying little it, orphan Orny. <laughs> little orphan. That's what, great. What's the weirdest gig you've ever had? Uh, opening for Ludacris. Uh, do tell uh, at the uh, Gator Growl University of Florida. Um, uh, I hate you. I hate you so much. Every student who goes there. Um, it's a giant, huge, mega their homecoming show. And uh, this band Foster the People played first. Uh, All the little skis. Yeah. Super cool. Nice dudes. Had a nice time with them. Better run. Great guys. They play. I don't know, 17,000 They really people. only had that song. They had a bunch. They got some other songs. They were very nice. If I don't know it, they don't have anything They else. comforted me after w- about what I'm about to tell what you. What I'm about to tell, about okay. to oh, tell yeah. you. Okay, so they're nice guys. <laughs> they invited me on their bus, and they said, that sucked. Uh, uh, and uh, well, how, Why? why? Why was it? Okay, so I'm explaining. Okay, please. Uh, they play. Yeah. They do good. They play the pumped up kicks. <laughs> Everybody's having fun. Fireworks go off. Clearly, Ludacris <laughs> is next. No. Brooks is coming up. He's got 30 minutes about Furbies. And uh, it was basically, you know what? Full circle how I blame my morning jacket for keeping Pearl Jam from happening. The band thought that I was keeping Ludacris tied up in the back. I mean, the the audience. The audience, yeah. And uh, so I was like, hey, how's it going? They're like, what the fuck? Get this crispy critter off the goddamn stage. It was awful. I've also never performed at such a big venue where I didn't know you you needed monitors. Because I would, I would talk and then my voice would happen like 30 like like a half a second behind me yeah so it's confusing it's weird how many people like 17 to twenty thousand people and um i got booed off pretty quick how how quickly into it like oh i think because i was getting paid like 10 grand so i was like i'll stick this out oh you have to yeah Yeah. you're just eat shit dude and uh and like i tried to go into the crowd it didn't work it was just a fucking nightmare. And how, how um, long do you think you did? I probably did like ten before somebody came out. No oh, light. Just okay. a person came out and she goes, "You can stop." Uh, and I go, <laughs> "Okay." 
And I left and like Ludacris was like, yo, I thought that was hilarious. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> now um, he's like, move, bitch. Get out of the way. No, they no. want me. No, I, he was like, I, he was honestly he was being nice. He's like, I thought that was really funny. And I'm like shell shocked. I was like, for the wrong reasons. Uh, <laughs> and then the dudes and foster the people were like, that, that was a rough crowd. I go, fuck you. You got pumped up kicks. <laughs> yeah, you I don't got, got pumped up. You got up, a hit. <laughs> you got, just go into that hit. Like, no, I don't want to hear my biomedical uh, engineering comedy. Yeah, I don't want to hear about how like, hey, is any of you guys' dad kind of nuts? <laughs> uh, I got booed off And I was like Let's see if Ludacris can get him He did He oh, absolutely yeah, got him yeah, dude, He right. did a great job He was fantastic The crowd was very he much was there like, To see Ludacris He, he, he was like Alright what the fuck Was that shit Y'all ready He was I wanna so lick, 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 lick you From your head to your This is so funny Because me and Angelo Used to sing that song All the time I wanna move on the bed Down to the down to the, the, the He did, he did a great wanna. job um, My check cleared And I will never return I went back to Gainesville to do, uh, I think this place is called the High Dive or something, th th whatever their punk club is, thinking of the 17,000 people, 200 of them had to be like, I like that. That was nuts. Uh, so I was like, I'll go back. I'll do this little punk club. No, they were still mad. It was years later. <laughs> uh, I was even in like the Gator, whatever their fucking lame college newspaper is. They're like, some people might remember Brooks Whelan as the person who ruined homecoming. Like, I'm like, fucking college homecoming? You dorks. Uh, you ruined it. That's oh, fantastic. It was awful. I hate Gainesville. Shout out to Tallahassee. Shout out to Orlando, UCF, Florida State. Very cool. Very cool. All right. All right. Last fact. So earlier in their career, most of the band used to have long hair and were known for quite a bit of onstage headbanging. But as yeah. they got older... And those antics took their toll. They had to start doing yoga and seeing chiropractors. That's up. How has your lifestyle changed as you've gotten older? I mean, if uh, you look at me, my place smells like Buddha's butthole. Uh, you're literally sitting on uh, amethyst rose crystal. And I, the, the table's made out of smoky quartz. I switched to wine. I had to switch to wine. Uh, I got fat, and in my brain, wine has no calories. It's zero calories in wine. I don't know if you listeners knew that, but there's no calories in wine. I've never looked it up. It's just what I tell myself. Uh, so I drink wine now instead of beer. how how like, what were what was your drink of choice? Like what were you? You were a beer guy. I'm a beer guy uh, because because in, at the University of Iowa, uh, it's so insane there. Like uh, in at at in Iowa City, that was like two dollar pitchers of whatever you want. That means mixed drinks. So I'd get a two dollar pitcher of a Long Island iced tea and it would, I would slam it and then it's see you tomorrow. Uh, and then, you know, you end up on a roof or something. And, uh, so I learned in college pretty quick, like no, our hard alcohol is not for you, buddy. So I switched to beer cause it's like a governor on how drunk I can get. You can't get like too wild on bush light. No. Uh, so I drank that until I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm chubby. And then I, now I switched to wine. So I would say I stopped headbanging by drinking. I'll drink beer on stage because I don't want to look like a dickhead. N nothing's funny <laughs> about a guy sipping wine while he says that Red Lobster isn't fancy. Like it's, but uh, but yeah, I switched to I switched to uh, uh, wine, and now I don't turn my nose up to vegan options. I always get them because I'm like, that's oh, probably better for you. <laughs> I don't think so, dude. You know, cashew cheese is way worse than fucking regular cheese. I don't know, man. In my dumb brain, zero calories and vegan, zero calories and I'll sometimes I'll do a week on zero calories. <laughs> with with your brain, with what you've studied and what you've done, uh, I think we all should start listening to you. Brooks, this was fantastic, man. I, I also want to say Bo, who is the keyboardist in this band, very cool guy. Yeah. In my wearing jacket, he's awesome. Patrick, the drummer, very awesome. Jim, I met a few times. Very, very awesome. Very cool. All, all nice. 
cool guys that like that's i think that's also why I, you like you love a band is you're like i could be friends with that band i'm not but i like the picture i am What did I tell you guys? A true fan. For all things Brooks Whelan, go to brookswhelan.com and follow him at Brooks Whelan on all social media. I'll be posting Brooks' Spotify mixtape, so get up on that. Listen to the musical mind of Brooks Whelan and all of the guests on the show. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media and email the podcast at 500podcasts at gmail.com. Please subscribe on Spotify, guys, or your favorite platform, but listen to it on Spotify. But if you are listening to it on Apple, rate and leave a review. Follow the staff at Avery Funny, at DJ Morty Coyle, at JT Podcast Exec, at Badass Wizard, and at Real Matt Penfield. Now, we just listened to My Morning Jacket from 2005. For new music this week, our music director, Matt Penfield, selected Dead Man Winter. Dead Man Winter is led by Dave Simonette of the band Trampled by Turtles. That's a great band name. Not only is DMW a huge My Morning Jacket fan, they've actually played with them before. Listen to their track Destroyer from their most recent album Furnace on Spotify and check out the link on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you're in a band and you want your music featured on the 500 website, send us your track to 500podcast at gmail.com and make sure you put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject line. Next week is Marvin Gaye week with his 1978 Cocaine PCP divorce album, Hear My Dear. I'm not lying. You got some homework to do. Listen to that album on Spotify. Stay fleecy. Hi, this is Paul Phelps. And this is Monica Strutt. And we're from the Daily Music Business Podcast. We're joined by a number of other really great hosts in creating daily content with great advice for independent musicians just like you. That's right. We put out episodes daily on all topics from music marketing to branding, advice on signing with a manager and label and anything else you need to up-level the business side of your music career. We've got it covered. Subscribe to the Daily Music Business Podcast today on your favorite podcast catcher. Subscribe today to the Daily Music Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Next Chapter Podcasts.